Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Good morning, pilgrims. Oh, that's me. Who are you, Samoset or Squanto or something? Oh, I don't know. The new OK Boomers. OK, pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just greet every white person you see this week with, okay, Pilgrim. Okay, Pilgrim. <laughs> Would you like to see our Thanksgiving specials? No, <laughs> Meredith. Anyway, it's Thanksgiving week, which matters to only our American listeners. That's exactly right. It's offensive to most other people, rightfully. I'm, I'm not even in America at the moment. Oh, is that so? Yeah. I'm when in. this comes out or right now? Yeah. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> Which gulag have we finally sent you to? I'm in Montreal. Oh, oh, that's one of the lovelier places. Yeah, they Never don't mind. celebrate. They don't celebrate Thanksgiving. They do celebrate Thanksgiving in Canada, but in October. It's a different day, isn't it? Mm, okay. Yes, I, I guess they were. They're too busy prepping for Boxing Day or whatever the heck they do. <laughs> uh, I think that Canadian is Thanksgiving. The what? Wait, is Boxing Day also no? A Canadian it's Canada. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, wow. Which, their Thanksgiving is also different because they're Canadian, so it's sincere. Mm-hmm. I only think Boxing Day is a Chinese holiday because that's when Spike killed a Chinese vampire on Buffy. And I believe on it was Boxing, Boxing Day. Day. And as you know, that's a historical drama. So, mm-hmm. Well, yes. It, it is one of the folios. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am I'm very happy to be in Montreal, French Cana. Duh. <laughs> oh, that's how Can they pronounce I it. Can I, yeah. Can I hyphen da. <laughs> uh, this is this is us doing another another holiday spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's called a mailbag, which uh, I had to Google shamefully without asking you guys. Really? Uh, yeah. Are you too know. young to know what mail is, Aida? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What's a bag?" <laughs> Things just show up. Secure the mailbag. There we go. See, now it's clicking. And a little later. We'll be talking to Lizzie Kaplan. I'm always curious what people are curious about. Like, I think we're pretty transparent, guileless folk. And yet, Still. here come the queries. You love the word guileless. I know. Unfortunately, there's no other word for it. So I have to keep saying it. It's like when the word douchebag entered the vocab- like vernacular. Like, there's no other word for that type of person. Like, you kind of just have to say douchebag. Like, it's not exactly tool. It's not exactly asshole. You know what I mean? Douchebag. Yeah, I remember the Black Eyed Peas song, Let's Get Douchebag. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, why don't we dive into some of these questions from the listeners, the people, the pilgrims. My question is on theme with Thanksgiving, says Hillary. Mm, one L, though. Like Hillary from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, Hillary Banks. Hillary mm. the Banks. This is, this is not her, I assume. Okay. It could be Hillary Duff. True. Yeah. Or uh, Swank. Yes. Oh. I hope it's one of you three. <laughs> Two Oscars, one question. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there are a lot of holiday specials out there from TV shows and movies past and present. What are y'all's favorite Thanksgiving-themed movies or episodes, and why? 
Mine is a tie between Will and Grace's Movable Feast episode and Adam's Family Values' Thanksgiving pageant when Wednesday leads the rebellion against all the wasp kids and, of course, her fierce Pocahontas monologue. Well, goddammit, they took mine. I mean, I know, right? Adam's yeah. Family Values is just, uh, I'm sure it's come up several thousand times mm-hmm. in this podcast, but timelessly, um, not just funny, but there's a, such a sour edge to that movie, mm-hmm. and it really holds up. Uh, th- again, if casting could get an Oscar, every, the, the casting for that movie should win not just that, the Nobel, whatever, mm-hmm. the Peabody, whatever we have left over. I don't support Will and Grace's Movable Feast just because I don't like the book. Movable Feast oh, right. by Ernest, Ernest Hemingway. They're the same thing. As they are know. the same thing. Um, I would say that. And then also, we're, I grew up um, with uh, Peanuts specials, as in Charlie Brown and all those yes. people. And they had, a, they, they had a series of TV movies that were educational in the 80s where they would go back in time and you would learn about the Constitution or the Wright Brothers or something like that. Yeah. And there's a Thanksgiving one where you learn all about these names that I know about, Squanto and Samoset and mm. how they learned about Maze. Anyway, it's a very whitewashed reading of Thanksgiving, but it was cute at the time. And Lucy Van Pelt, Queen of Queens. Isn't that the one where they famously have Franklin like sitting at some other table? I don't know if it's quite that oh. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right, though. Yeah. I do think you're right. That like, it's like the, not even, it's not they acknowledged. They truly do him dirty. The entire It's like series. a Scorsese pan. Like, you don't actually, they don't focus on it. They're just like, Whoa, this is part of the narrative. Make sure you take this in. Franklin is the rat that scurries across the wall yeah. in The Departed. My God. I would say a Buffy reference again, my mm-hmm. favorite historical drama. Right. Uh, their Thanksgiving episode. Um, Pengs is a very good episode. It is, they are doing construction on this new museum in Sunnydale, and it accidentally awakens a Chumash Indian spirit who wants to kill all of them. Mm. I wonder if I'll ever watch Buffy. Again, anything in the paranormal, I fall asleep. I told you my story with Jessica Jones. I started watching, and I was like, oh, she has dark hair and seems kind of mean. I'm into it. And then she could move a car. I'm like, well, no, I don't care. Anything paranormal? (laughs) Most of the time. Did you fall asleep during the other's? That's as close as I get, but that's, again, about, um, you know, a, a shivering woman. So, I'm in. What about old Casper animations? Casper? Like, Spooky. Oh, yeah. You pass out? Oh, sure. I think I saw that movie in the theater, too, the Christina Ricci version. So, mm-hmm. it's embedded in me. Yeah. yeah. My favorite one, I would be remiss not to mention the Lena Waithe Atlanta episode. I mm. mean, that got her all her things. Like, got her the Emmy. Was a beautiful and touching story about what it means to be, you know, a black gay woman and not, mm-hmm. you know, being shelled away from your family and having to figure out okay well how do I celebrate the holidays now but so that's the answer if anybody asks it's very hard you know when you're black as opposed to when you're a white lesbian then Ellen will just invite you on her show mm-hmm. Ellen can just show up at any <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner she can dance her way for food but um, I think my favorite episode that's just like saccharine and fun is the new girl episode with Paul Long and I love New Girl, and I love Zoe Deschanel, and I hate that about myself. I hate it so much. But the episode... She's not a murderer. She's not. She's not. But she's, like, probably the anti-me, I think. So for me to be obsessed with this woman and want to be her is not, like, my personality. But uh, I love Zoe. That's a good Aida puzzle piece, Zoe. though. I'll keep it in mind. Yeah, it's something mm-hmm. to figure out. But I love Paul Long. I can't stop smiling right now. <laughs> Honestly, all the actors Paul on Long. New Girl are very competent. Yeah. R- routinely all very funny. And of course, Megan Fox, when she took over, also hilarious. New Girl often did what it had to do. Mm-hmm. I only saw three seasons of it, but 
It was so funny. Yeah. I did come back for the Megan Fox episodes. That's what I stopped watching. Oh, wait. No, I didn't. I came back. I came back. Mm -hmm. I saw, what's his name? Smitty? Is that his name? Mm. Um, Oh, yeah, right. The CBS lot the other day because I have Showcase there. He was on the phone. So brag, 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 brag. I know. I thought it was Zachary Quinto. <laughs> I almost said hi, and then I was like, no, 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 stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a question here I love. This is from Lauren. My question is, what pop culture do you take so personally that you feel attacked when you find out someone doesn't like it? Boss Baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is most of Always your brand on this show. Boss Baby. Yeah. The baby is back, and he's a boss. <laughs> um, that's the Boss Baby 2 tagline. Is that it? I don't know. There's not a Boss Baby you 2. You write it. You're right. I think I would know there's a Boss Baby 2. You want to write that? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm good love. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> you take that script assignment. I don't know. I try to be not one of those people, mm-hmm. you know, because people should hate whatever they want to hate. And it's know? not that serious. Whatever. Yeah. I like some things and other people don't yeah. like some things. I love yeah. this course. I don't yeah. want to kill Martin Scorsese and Alan Moore. You know, right? And in fact, it's almost I like hearing criticism of things I love in a way. I just I like being forced to think of things I really yeah. enjoy in another way. That said, what do I get instinctively rabid and defensive about? Um, I would say, hmm, gushers. If people don't like gushers, we've got a problem. Oh yeah. Oh, this extends to food. This is just a cultural thing. Yeah, gushers and butterfingers. Well, we've already thought about. Oh that. yeah, we have. The Butterfingers. Yeah. But I do enjoy them. I just don't like the physicality of them, like right. the way they get stuck in my teeth. Mm. But they taste amazing. Mm. They just look like a, you know, like an eggplant emoji, if you know what I mean. I, I sure don't. Like, are you <laughs> blind? <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I really like minimalism. Like, maybe not on me, but I love kind of cold environments and industrial-looking places. And people can get very defensive. I think it's a divisive thing to like. Maybe not. Oh, that's an interesting answer. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. that I really like minimalist everything. And when I'm in a place that has a lot of things, I get very overwhelmed. Oh. I guess my answer would be female-led dramas that I am obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I'm so grateful when, you know, we get a um, Carol or 45 Years or some of these other prestige movies that have come out in the past two years. Two Days, One Night is another one that comes to mind. And when, I don't know, they're either treated as inessential or uh, 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 not somebody's taste. I'm like, no shit, it's not your taste. We do everything to get these fucking movies made and seen by anybody. So I can get a little defensive about that. Well, Aida likes minimalism. Mm -hmm. You like female dramas. You both should go see an Ibsen play. Oh, sure. Hedda Gobbler, let's do it. Which also, which by the way, there was a version that starred Kate Blanchett that I think about constantly and we'll never get to see that. Isn't that frustrating about theater? There's so much you will never get to see because they don't record it. I saw uh, After Miss Julie starring um, Sienna Miller. I wish I hadn't. Oh, yeah? yeah? I hear she's sometimes good on stage. Well, she wasn't then. Okay. Lewis, I'm going to pose this question for you. Okay. Lewis, the presidential candidates as Oscar Best Picture winners. That is uh, a very tough question. I love that question, though. Yeah. The, the one-for-one parallels will be very difficult. I mean, I think, um, well, I think Joe Biden would be Forrest Gump because he is a Generally speaking, a crowd pleaser, but upon further inspection, what were we thinking in certain okay. ways, okay. you know? He seems uh, like he would melt in your hands, too. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Um, Not in your mouth. It, it, I, I think I would also add about Forrest Gump that it, we're, we're more charmed by it than more edified by substance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, Elizabeth Warren, I would have to be one that I'm 
fucking obsessed with. It was like Spotlight or something, like Ooh. something with a plan. Oh yeah, and, and it's investigation led. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, sure. We'll just decide that she's Rachel McAdams in Spotlight. Um, Pete Buttigieg is definitely La La Land. Oh, one hundred percent, hands down. A very good answer. Due to whimsy, just due to whimsy and. You know, not really checking with black votes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The discussions of jazz they're in. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I've read about jazz. Right. <laughs> he could tell you about jazz. Yeah. But he doesn't live jazz. Yeah. Um, I, I think Kamala is Green Book. You think Kamala is? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it's like I see what you're trying to do for black people. <laughs> I see what you're getting at. <laughs> but I don't want to watch anymore. Mm. Like Octavia Spencer will be on stage when you win, yeah. but but yeah, maybe later she'll regret it. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I do feel like Green Book called the cops on me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kamala would make me sit in the back of her car while she yelled at me. Uh, I was gonna call Edrie Yang Green Book, Ooh. but but I feel like it's probably more. Uh, I'm gonna preface this with I like this movie. Okay. Um, but Andrew Yang is the Dark Knight. Okay. Which is not a Best Picture winner. Oh, was it a Best Picture nominee? No. Oh, that's right. That's why that's they when changed they changed it to ten nominations, right? Well, well you know what? I feel like it's still at because you constantly have those fans arguing that it should have been nominated. You know what? Brilliant answer, actually. Is really Tulsi still out. running? I mean, she's in her. I think she is. Her weird erratic jog. Yes. Tulsi. Yeah, she's still running. Yeah, she's the Descendants, Can just because it's set in Hawaii. The Descendants, not a Best Picture winner. <laughs> <laughs> it was only winners. Yeah. Oh. Well, damn it. Um, I can't hear. I couldn't hear the question. I'm sorry, Two Cats Too Curious, for getting your question wrong. Is um, uh, Bernie Sanders driving Miss Daisy just because? I feel like the humor levels are the same. Oh, I'm a a little curmudgeonly. Mm. Who's Shape of Water? Well, is anybody legitimately weird in this thing? Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson oh, is she yeah. fuck of water. A fish. Right, right. She no. is. She sees she's the beauty. Girl. Yeah, she's she definitely. sees the beauty in a sea creature with huge genitals. What's the deal with that movie? I don't know what happens. Oh no, I've seen it. Um, I've seen the first half on a plane and chose not to look further. Yeah, One time I was I on mean, a plane and everybody was watching that movie. It's a weird yeah, movie for odd. everybody to be watching. We were on that same plane. I think. I think we were coming back from. Oh, South by Southwest or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh-huh. And everyone was watching it. Yeah, I think that she would. You know. Helen Keller fucking an amphibian. That's the shape of water. Right, right. But less, that, that but was less, the pitch. That but, was the pitch. But, but less of a racist than Helen Keller was. Um, let's move right along. Let's see here. Mark says, if you had to prepare a top ten list for queer excellence, what would be on it? And can I vote for now DeMarco? I mean, I'm friends with him, but are you just voting for him because he's hot, Mark? I mean, yeah, but, excellence is a, is a specific word. Specific. And is he talking about all time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, queer achievements. Oh, do they have to be achievements in the queer world, or do they have to be achieving things while queer? Because oh, God. that's a distinction to make. This will be debated in the courts later, so yeah. you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, why not both? Why not both? Okay. I'm going to go with um, Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest is my favorite queer thing. Why? Mm. Um, okay. It's hilarious to read. It's always shocking to me like when there are books like Pride and Prejudice where you read them and they feel like, there are certain elements of them that are so contemporary in humor, which mm-hmm. is so wild. But everybody in The Importance of Being Earnest is just a true bitch. All of the men act like little gay imps. The women are cutting. Uh, and so it's super eternal. And I feel uh, eternally queer as well. So that's on my list. Uh, Harvey Milk's on it. 
What else is going on? Uh, there's an essay by James Baldwin in the collection The Devil Finds Work about Joan Crawford. And I think that is just the height of queer excellence. Queerity. Yes. Wow. It was the first queerty post. <laughs> <laughs> God, I got to read that. Is he obsessed with her or what? Yeah, he's very intrigued by just her presence. Uh, I'll, I'll lend it to you. Well, she invented the idea of, you know, shoulders that are just trapezoidally large. Yes. I'm going to offer up Audre Lorde mm-hmm. if we're doing, you know, black literature people. I love her and she, I sound like a toddler, uh, she's my favorite. And <laughs> yeah, I love Audre Lorde. I think I came into a lot of my like black identity reading her stuff. And she was one mm-hmm. of the first openly lesbian poets, black poets mm-hmm. that I had read. So I was like, what? This is amazing. I would listen to a podcast from Audre Lorde, James Baldwin, and Oscar Wilde. You would? Yeah. Oh, I believe we're conducting the, the it right ori- now. The, origi- the original Keep It. Wait. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Last Black Unicorn was the book that she wrote. I think the one that I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Who Who else? Jodie Foster. In and out, though. I don't want to talk about her because I don't think she's done anything for queer people that I know of. But Yeah, besides interacting with Kristen Stewart in a compelling way in Panic Room. <laughs> yeah. mm. uh, I would say the movie In and Out. Oh, sure. You would add that movie? That's that. Yeah. Let's talk about humor that doesn't really hold up. <laughs> the amount of Barbara Streisand jokes made at the expense of the Kevin Klein character. Yes. I would just say Kevin Klein is queer excellence. And not because of In and Out, but because I would say the entire cast of Soap Dish is queer excellence. Oh, mm. sure. Oh, well, you know what I always think about Soap Dish is that nobody talks about that Whoopi Goldberg is hot in that movie. <laughs> oh. She's kind of sexy. Yeah. I found yeah. out photos of her and I was like, oh, you're a babe. Remember yeah. when she dated Ted Danson? Oh, sure. The year was, I'm going to say late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. She was dancing in the moonlight. Is that a reference to? Just, you know, them having moonlight moments. And his last name Cory Booker is Moonlight. Oh, oh mm. yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> okay. You're fired. <laughs> um, no one talks about Zeke from High School Musical, the boy who wanted to cook, but they made him play basketball instead. Oh. Probably mm. queer excellence. Yeah, I think so. Almost yeah. definitely queer excellence. And and Ryan, Sharpay's brother. Oh, yes. Yeah, but he wasn't out in the movie, was he? No. It was just implied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say my friend Dave Holmes, whom whenever I read his uh, recollections of billboard charts or uh, sensations of past decades, he later became an MTV VJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just he's somebody who <laughs> makes me think like, oh, wow, there's like another one of what I want to be out there. Mm-hmm. Like it's so uh, mm-hmm. if I ever if my ambition seems stunted, it's because Dave Holmes has already accomplished them. Do you think Joe Marsh wanted to fuck women? Oh, and Little Women? Mm-hmm. I mean, she certainly has the drive of a kind of, um, I was going to say George Sand, but George Sand was straight. She just dressed like men. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You just saw the new Little Women, I just right? saw the new Little Women, and that's what I feel. Okay, got it. Yeah. Saoirse was giving, you know, big lesbian energy. Um, Aida, here's a question for you from April. In your quest to catch up on older movies, what movie have you been surprised by, either that you loved or more or less than you thought you would? Are any of them things that are going on your favorites list? The Shining was definitely one. Well, I, I knew, I, I had known that all of these movies were amazing movies. Of course, they're classics. But when I, I figured since I wasn't there for the zeitgeist, I probably wouldn't be into it. But now I've gone back and 
now I'm like on Reddit pages trying to figure out what the hell's going on in The Shining. And so that 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 one's a really good one. Um, I'm going back now and watching all the old Oscar winners. So that's oh, why cool. I'm, that's why I'm even versed at all in the question from earlier. But um, not Adam Sandler movies. I can tell you that, and I've been watching a lot of Adam Sandler movies just so I can understand jokes. But ugh, that reminds me, the Turkey Song thing is going to come up pretty soon. I'm sure. Oh, I'm pretty sure you know the Turkey Song by Adam Sandler. Turkey song? No, I know the. Uh, no, oh, I know the Hanukkah song, not the same thing. Mm-mm. Okay, anyway, I think those are the. I think the The Shining is a big one for me. I'm going back and watching like The Usual Suspects mm-hmm. and um, all the Ocean's Eleven movies. All the, you know, just any heist movie I can watch. I'm just trying to get everything in. Mm. The Matrix. I can just rattle off movies for. I've been cooped up. Oh, good. That no, that's exciting. <laughs> Also, watching Oscar Best Pictures is generally rewarding. Mm-hmm. I would say, on average, they hold up well. They also represent a lot of what's going on in the culture at the time. Totally. Know? Oh, yeah. You can read a lot into literally any movie. As something as seemingly um, pedestrian-paced as terms of endearment has a lot of you know, 80s-isms in it. And uh, it's representative of how we told stories about white family tragedy and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what we a flop Gandhi? No one talks oh. about that movie anymore. Either. And by the way, who's is th- abysmal? That's true, and it beat ET. Yeah, but it is starring Candace Bergen. <laughs> yes, whom I adore. It is also nine hours. Right. I would say from that era, though, Amadeus is a great winner. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That we don't talk pretty about pretty timeless. As much. Yeah, I think if you asked most people what their favorite best picture winner of the 80s was, Amadeus would probably be the answer. I, of course, am am an ordinary people stan, but we've already been down that road Mm. before. You know I love ordinary people. I know, I know, I know. It's the first thing we bonded over. I don't think that's true. So there's a question from Dylan. Does Ira have a soap sauna, or I guess it would be a soap sona, a soap character that he feels is truly him? Can we also assign soap sonas to Lewis and Aida? Sure. Let's yeah. do it. So what's your soap sona, your persona from a soap a soap opera? I would say that I always thought I was probably a Sammy Brady from okay. Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. She was a scammer and troublemaker. But I honestly feel that I'm probably more Blair Kramer from One Life to Live. She just is a sort of southern vibe and sort of just glamorous and gets into dangerous marriages. Mm. Yeah. You don't know any of these people. No, no, no. <laughs> Your identification with soap stars is, you know, frightening yeah. in a nurse Betty way. I'm actually very interested. What when did you start watching soap operas? Like uh, when did that become a thing for you? Mid nineties. Mid nineties. Okay. Because my family watched Young and the Restless. And so I would watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would get into Days of Our Lives uh, a bit later in like middle school when I got into passions too. Okay, so, interesting. My gateway drugs. <laughs> my gateway drugs. I would say that Lewis is probably someone from Passions. I would say that Which is you, among the crazier soaps that has yes, ever existed. I would say maybe you're Gwen from Passions. Um, yeah, she she was just like a sort of severe blonde. Okay, good. Uh, my two know, favorite and, words. Yeah, and very and very angular. Good. Yeah. And I feel that's you. Did, does she carry like a, a briefcase and slam it down on tables? Uh, sometimes she had a briefcase. She was dating her childhood love, Ethan, and then the maid's daughter um, tried to steal him away from her. 
Oh, so she's also a wronged woman? Yeah, she's, okay. a, she's a wronged woman, but then she sort of becomes evil. So We all have a journey. Yes, yes. And I would say... Do me, do me. You are... You give me a vibe of like... Well, your tweets are very Drusilla from Young and the Restless because she was wild. Okay, I'll take that. But sometimes in person you see more Olivia from Young and the Restless, a more demure black woman. I like that. Yeah. I just want to say that my friends share Aida tweets with me now more than ever. And like, <laughs> they're so, they so love it. But my, my friend Jordan tweeted, she needs Jesus at me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, people are constantly sending us your tweets. Good. I'm glad that in all reality, though, I'm the exact opposite of my Twitter page. Like, that is clearly not me as a person. The juxtaposition between the the wildness of your Twitter and the um, Say it, collectedness. The sweet softness. Yeah. The it, maturity. But it's very thrilling. It's Good. a thrilling juxtaposition. Lauren says, if the three of you had to be casted in the reboot of a movie, what movie would it be? Well, I think my acting would be pretty limited. I would either have to be a um, spitfire, you know, gay dude who cracks jokes all the time, or the other thing I think I could do, which is play a psycho, because I don't think that's that hard. I think we give a lot of credit to actors for playing psychotic people when I feel like those are impulses that come easily to an actor. So I would be in a reboot of Psycho, because I think I just have that look in my eye, unfortunately. I think mm-hmm. you've been training to be Anthony Perkins. Right. He is Anthony Perkins. I routinely call my time machine husband. Mm-hmm. He is the most gorgeous. Would you do something as wild as American Psycho? Would you do a Christian Bale No, because type? that's like hyper heterosexual, okay. to which I say no. Okay. Mm-hmm. But don't you think we need gay representation in the American Yes. Psycho I world? just don't know that I'm the one to do it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I... Speaking of soap dish, I think I could be multiple characters from that movie. I could be Whoopi. I feel that way about you too. I That's could be a good Whoopi, answer. But I could also probably do Terry Hatcher or I was going to say uh, Rob Blow in the movie. I was going to say uh, 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 Carrie Fisher. Sorry, um, Robert Downey Jr. Not right, Rob right. Blow. Yeah. yeah. But Carrie Fisher, whose name is literally Betsy Faye Sharon in that movie. That's just three names, guys. I could actually play every character in Soap Dish in a one-man reboot. I would also be Miss Scarlet in a gay Clue reboot. I still insist that they do a drag version of Clue. That feels very obvious to me. Uh, I could be Haley Mills slash Christina Ricci in the other reboot um, in That Darn Cat. Cat. Oh, sure. Co-starring Dougie Fresh. Fresh. Yes, uh-huh. I love not knowing what you guys are talking about. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's part. Disney. You got to get love it on that. That darn yeah. cat is on Disney Plus. That darn yeah. cat. Good. Well, I just I had just got it. I if I would pick one, I would love to do a really shoddy remake of Shark Tale, but it's me doing all the characters and really bad voices. <laughs> I have always wanted to see that. Um, but I think maybe probably I'd want to play. Again, I feel limited, and I'm typecasting myself. But I think I could only play like a abrasive, maybe femme gay character. Mm. So maybe Queen Latifah and set it off. I could kind of, that's the opposite of what I said, but I could do something a little like rough and harsher. You just, you know. I would certainly Katie Holmes and disturbing behavior. <laughs> Writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> she, had, she had queer femme energy weirdly in her movies. You think so? I think so. Go. During that time, we had Anne Heche and everything. That's where all the queer femme energy went. Yeah. Jagged haircuts and. Uh, <laughs> uh, why don't you start at a remake of Mr. Wrong? 
What's that? That's the Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen DeGeneres movie. What? Where she was like romancing a, a man's. She did a, really. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Was this before she came out? Yes. Yeah. And uh, right, she was sort of a rising star at the time. It yeah. is a dark time capsule. <laughs> the poster alone. I think that's it for our mailbag. I hope you all had some fun. I hope you did not die from the malaria I put in the mailbag. <laughs> that's how mailbags work and disease. Yeah. You can just throw a big bag of malaria in it. That's what the pilgrims did. I think they were just riding around on the Oregon Trail just throwing malaria at indigenous like people. Like smallpox blankets. Did, but... you, did you just say the pilgrims were on the Oregon Trail? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you weren't a history major. Very good. I, I was not. And I just said smallpox, <laughs> so I'm not sure about timelines <laughs> at all. Coming up next, one of our favorite actresses, Lizzie Kaplan. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. 
Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. We are delighted to be joined by Lizzie Kaplan. Hello. Hi. Hi. Lizzie Hi Kaplan, I had never run just through your inventory. Yeah. And I, uh, like, I heard you were going to be on the show and then I thought about it. I was like, okay, Mean Girls, Party Time. I was like, Bachelorette. Like, I kept thinking about it. I am very emotionally attached to your work. You are (laughs) such a spectacular performer. Thank you. That's really, really nice. I will take that early morning compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Just a constant slayer. We we always end up talking about Bachelorette on this show, which I think is one of the great underrated viperish comedies. Amen. I Mm -hmm. love that movie. I just saw Kirsten this past weekend. Oh, yeah. And she's so good in that movie. And I, yeah, it was one of those special ones for sure. Like, Mm -hmm. making it was amazing. Oh, yeah. Just also... The sneer level on Kirsten Dunst. She's She's like the greatest. She is such an amazing actress and also an amazing girl. I'm happy to report. I am thrilled to hear it. You know, I was thinking a lot about those early 2000s sort of films, too. Just the that period seemed to cast a lot of actors who were really fucking great Mm -hmm. and now are doing really interesting work. You know, like you and Mean Girls, you know, like Kirsten Gabrielle in um, Bring It On, you know, and it's just, that's why I think that our era of films I grew up with are probably the best teen ones. I agree. Yeah. People will argue the 80s, but I feel like there's an argument to be made for for this too. I think in the 80s they were figuring it out, and then by the 90s and 2000s I'd be like, okay, yeah, we got it, and these are the best ones. And I feel thirsty for, because the 2010s, like when I was a teenager, we didn't have Good, really, really good movies. Mean Girls was the first movie that I watched that was PG-13, and Janice's character activated something in me. <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went from, like, really nice kid to horrid teenager. <laughs> so thank you for that. You're so welcome. Mm-hmm. Tell your mother awakening. you're welcome as well. <laughs> Plus, the films from that era still sort of hold up as far as themes, you know? You look back in an 80s John Hughes movie, you are going to get some racism, <laughs> some, some casual, maybe someone was raped in this car. Yep, yeah, right. yeah. and a lot of boobs, <laughs> like constant tits in your face from teenagers, which is strange. But yeah, uh, I agree with that, and that kind of weirds me out because I don't see how any teenagers now could possibly identify with the Mean Girls version of high school. Like there's, mm-hmm. mm. They had some kind of phone stuff, but barely any, no social media, and yet... That's the movie that people talk to me about the most, that their daughters, who are now 12, love that movie. So yeah. I don't mm-hmm. really get it. You're somebody who, when I watch you on screen, I, I feel like I'm getting to know you and that there's a sense of like hard sarcasm a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of casual intelligence. But then I also think about it, I realize you are secretly very varied. Like when I watch Masters of Sex, that's not the same kind of character at all. No. So when you grew up, did you think I will be playing lots of funny roles, or did you always have a vision for the Masters of Sex type role? 
When I first started, I wanted to be a straight-up dramatic actress. Really? Yes. Yeah. But I was 15. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, I thought I'd be doing Shakespeare, and that would be my whole jam. And then I started getting these comedic roles for many, many years, and then I only identified as that. And then Masters of Sex came along, and it was like, no, I, I need to figure out if I can do something else other than the sarcastic comedic one. And uh, yeah miraculously I got that job. That was like a full-blown miracle. And mm. now I get to kind of do different stuff, which is, that's always been the dream. That's so interesting, too, because I feel like we first really got to know you outside of Freaks and Geeks, which was shamefully short-lived. Classic. Um, really through, like, Party Down, which is, we've had Adam on the show. Oh, no and way. he talked about how he started out really wanting to do dramatic acting yes. too and then you both just end up on this comedy I know yeah he really did want to be I think growing up at that point he may have already been in the comedy world but yeah he like fancied himself a dramatic actor it's so funny <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> thinking about that now but yeah um, we're doing a reunion for Party Down this weekend Sunday yeah Sunday Sunday uh, <laughs> yes yes, yes. Uh, how much is party down a part of what people remember you for because uh, I feel like you like Adam Scott have like such a varied career um, and so many things where people can remember you from and it's just now that you've both done so many other things it doesn't immediately come to my mind but I remember I ran into Adam at Vampire Weekend and the security right. and the security <laughs> exactly. guard. That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> the security guard there, like this older black man in his sixties, said, "Are we having fun yet?" And I was like, "He saw that show." <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And yes, party down when it was on. It, it we had no viewers. Like mm -hmm. nobody watched it. It was starting to get some critical attention, but for the most part, it was like invisible. And when people come up to us now or me come and, and mention Party Down, it is like a weird little shorthand, like, I know the underground comedy <laughs> shit. Yeah. I know. And I, I actually like those people the most, mm -hmm. the ones who have watched Party Down, because it still feels like it's yours, I think, mm -hmm. as a viewer, because it was so under the radar. Like, it was not even, like, people had no idea it existed. So anybody who likes Party Down is like, oh, okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. I know what you're saying. None of that mainstream shit. <laughs> now, so uh, if people don't know, you are playing um, Annie Wilkes, a character made very famous in the movie Misery by Kathy Bates. You're on a show called Castle Rock. Are you the kind of person who would have seen a movie like Misery a hundred thousand times, or I, are you like now like begrudgingly like oh, I'll see if it was good? <laughs> yeah. I've been both of those people, but for this, I I was well versed in Misery. Yeah. I love Misery. Um, I don't think I would have tried to do this, or I don't even know if Castle Rock would have been on my radar, if not, honestly, my husband is like a huge horror guy, and I wasn't at all before we met, and he has turned me into this, like, horror fiend. So we watched the first season of Castle Rock, that's the only reason why I even kind of knew about it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I would have had the balls to try to do an Annie Wilkes if I didn't have a spot in my heart already for Annie Wilkes. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it would have been less terrifying and, and daunting, but I don't think I personally would have done it. I would have let somebody else who was obsessed with that role. I kind of like that a lot, too. It's, it's always interesting when you get an actor who sort of doesn't want to look at the original 
performance. Um, and I know so many who do that, you know. Um, but I think that if you're building on something that's so much in pop culture, it makes sense to sort of look at what it was or have been a fan of it. So you bring something. I am inclined to agree with that in specific circumstances, Mm -hmm. like this definitely being one of them. But the expectation is create your own thing. Mm -hmm. Don't steal from anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I think we all kind of, or I go into it thinking that, but for this, I I didn't. I don't even, it was like halfway through shooting the season that I was like, oh no, I should have done something completely different. Everybody's going to hate this. Oh God, oh God. (laughs) I had like full-blown panic attacks every single night for the first (laughs) four months of uh, shooting Castle Rock. A friend of ours, Shay Serrano, wrote a book and there uh, about movies, and there are essays from various friends, colleagues of his in it. And one of them, uh, this guy Wesley Morris, wrote about how Annie Wilkes. Uh, it's it's a character that sticks with him because the, she he says that the, she obviously turns into she is a horrifying character, but also there's a quality about her where she might have been your English teacher. Mm-hmm. She might like there's an actual humanity there. That in fact goes not spoken of in, in retrospect. Like we don't talk about it that much, and 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 why it's an Oscar-winning role. Totally, you know. So, what are your favorite parts of this character? I think it's that. I mean, that that kind of hits the nail on the head. She is a villain. She is a murderer. She does a lot of objectively bad stuff, but she's also very multifaceted. She is kind. She is loving. She has this really tender bedside manner. And I think that makes her infinitely more terrifying. Yes, right. Because it can come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in our show, you know, the in Misery in the book and, and the film, she's very isolated. She's living like on a, like a house on a mountain somewhere. And our story is not that. Our story is an Annie Wilkes out in the world, she's got this daughter that's like her driving force, and you get to see like a really soft side of her, which I do think you have flashes of in in the movie and in the, in the book, but this is like a whole different version of Annie. This is like before she has isolated herself. Does this make you uh, want to watch more horror? Do you, so you, you're not into it at all? No, I, I am now. Oh, you I'm are? I'm obsessed got it. with it now. It's like all we watch now. What have you mainlined? What have you gotten into? Right now we're watching this show Marianne on Netflix. It's like a French horror thing. It's so scary. It's so good. I highly, highly recommend it. I just saw Parasite this weekend. Oh, hell Paras- yeah. Parasite yeah, is fucking amazing. It's really? amazing. Yes. It's amazing. It's so fun and, and scary and gross and all the things you want. And absolutely don't know anything about it before you go in. Yeah, because it, it, it engrosses you immediately. Like you're mm. into it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Noted. Yeah. There's some good Korean horror movies that they do like really cool. They, they do they, seem to have a handle on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's like all different, you know, Parasite without giving anything away. It mm-hmm. like bounces between tones throughout the whole thing. And yeah. you're like on board the whole time. It's really fun. It as really well is at gross. some points like a screwball comedy. It's yeah. like a yeah. Cary Grant movie from the 40s yeah. or something at some point. It's so impressive. It's really good. To watch those. Tell us what your takeaway is from, by the way, Masters of Sex. Mm-hmm. I'm th- I, when I think about that show, first of all, the scene I have seen most, I think, is the one where Alice and Janney talks about having sex and like it not feeling. Anyway, it's a Ugh. very bracing scene. That yeah. show had a lot of bracing scenes. Yeah. So people... talk about preparing for a day on the set of that show. It got easier as <laughs> it went on over the years, but that was the thing I kind of loved the most about that show. We had all these incredible actors coming on, whether they were doing one episode or a season or beyond, and you were just there to like act your face off and like give it. <laughs> I mean, Alice and Janney is like the perfect example. She's so heartbreaking and wonderful in everything, but in Masters of Sex, I'm, I'm biased. So, yeah, it was 
difficult, obviously. Uh, for me, I was coming in um, very scared of doing anything really dramatic. I had never done any period pieces before. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. so all of that, and then playing opposite, like, such a well-respected dramatic actor. So that was on my brain a lot. And then you sprinkle it with, like, super graphic sex scenes and lots of nudity. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely scary at the beginning and probably the first half of the first season. And then it's just like any other job. Like, I worked my ass off on that job. We all did. But it became easier to slip into that whole thing as well, the years went on. Well, so here's a question, too. You know, Masters of Sex does have, I mean, it's in the title, sex, mm -hmm. you know? And it is a show where you have to really sort of depict a lot of graphic scenes. How is that like as an actor? You know, especially that's been in the conversation so much because of... Um, David Simon having a talk about um, the deuce, you know, and yeah, like actors and everything, you know, it's like as an actor, knowing especially the climate we're in now, um, how do you approach doing these scenes? How do you want directors or writers to approach you about these scenes? Yeah, it's so funny because we, Masters of Sex, we shot that whole thing pre Me Too. So it would have been a very different set for mm -hmm. sure. Um, we had some little scene in Castle Rock. I wasn't in it. Two other actors. And you don't see anything. They're not, you know, having sex. They're not even making out. They're just, like, in bed post-coital. And they had an intimacy coordinator on set to, I guess, mm -hmm. walk them through, like, placement of the blankets. So I do feel like, and I was talking to Yusra, who's the actress who was in the scene. I, I've, I've talked to a few people where it feels like such a massive overcorrection at this mm -hmm. point. But it's definitely necessary. I think it would have, we were like adamant on the Masters of Sex set that everybody feel like ridiculously comfortable. You were well taken care of. But there are plenty of other sets where people aren't taking that care. Mm -hmm. So this overcorrection, I get why it's happening and I think it's really, really important because if you're first starting out and you're on a set that requires nudity, you don't want to rock the boat, like kind of period. Mm -hmm. And so you'll just like, oh, I don't need that privacy thing. Oh, I don't, no, 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 I don't need a robe. I, I, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Because you don't want to be like perceived as difficult or tricky in any way. And then kind of really uncomfortable, horrible stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about like full Weinstein stuff, but just mm -hmm. being naked on a set with a bunch of strangers and not feeling protected. Mm -hmm. So those days are over, which I think is a really good thing. But for our show, we sort of had to set that tone ourselves, which mm -hmm. we did. We were happy to do it, of course. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you about, we were talking about this actually in our Halloween episode, some of our favorite our favorite horror films, and the acting in, in horror is very nuanced in the way that like you have this motive, but also there's an ulterior motive because you're advancing a plot in a sort of way. So I want to know like how many parts of Lizzie Kaplan come through in Annie? I hope not very many. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a funny thing. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, I, I know I would come home and still be kind of talking in her voice sometimes. And, mm -hmm. My husband was a little freaked out by that. But this wasn't one. There have been roles, Virginia Johnson on Masters of Sex being one of them, that I would take it with me. I was always, she was always on my mind. When I left work, on the way to work, it was just all consuming. This was not that. This was happening when I'm at work and then totally not out of work. Like I wasn't driving around in my car thinking like, what would Annie be thinking right now? Like I just, it, I left it there. And I think I kind of had to because it's so bonkers mm -hmm. and, like, so high energy and, like, at a state of, like, this high-pitched panic all the time that I needed to 
chill out. So I don't think that there's much of me in Annie, but I hope now there's some Annie in me. <laughs> <laughs> but would people be surprised if they watched your old movies how little of you was actually in a part at any given time? Maybe some of them. I'd have to like comb through the old IMDb, but I think for the most part, no, there was a lot of me oh, there is. in okay. a lot of those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say is the most unexpected upshot of the legacy of Mean Girls? Like, Obviously, people come up to you, but what? how is it a part of your life in a way that is, I'll say, surprising? Well, I'm not on social media, so I don't get the onslaught. Like, I'm sure all the other people in that movie get it daily, mm-hmm. just some kind of Mean Girls shout-out or mm-hmm. reference. I... I'm pretty separate from that. So when people come up to me and say that it means something to their daughters, that's really cool and surprising because of what I said before, just like the fact that it stood whatever test of time. But it's the people that come up to me and tell me, you know, I was really in a bad way in high school and I watched that movie and it made me feel less alone and invisible and I saw myself in your character and you know these are like emotional conversations (laughs) that happen on the street and it's incredible that's the most surprising best part because that's not why I was doing the movie I was doing the movie to further my own career (laughs) (laughs) so have you seen the Mean Girls on Broadway? Yes. How do, do you like it? I do I do it was really really crazy to see that it brought up like all kinds of nice feelings that I wasn't anticipating I rewatched the movie right before I saw the play because I hadn't seen the film since, I guess, since it came out. And so seeing that again was really weird. And then seeing this show, which is like, I loved it. I thought it was like super, super joyful and great and, and impressive and all of the things. And then knowing that these kids who were playing these roles, they were really little when we mm-hmm. made the movie and they grew up watching the movie and so that made me feel, you know, a little old but also a little happy. Yeah. Night, you've done comedy, you've done the drama, we're doing a horror. Is there anything else that you really, really want to do that you haven't gotten the opportunity to, to yet? Yeah, I feel like everything. I feel like I haven't done anything yet. So... Everything. <laughs> it never ends. Yeah, I guess a war drama would be next. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, I did do uh, a mini series of Das Boot, so oh, that's, check that, that out. Never mind. <laughs> okay, what das else Boot you got? is like the drama. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. You guys should watch Das Boot. I should watch Das Boot. Apparently, it's very good. Um, yeah, I think just the lily pad hopping between stuff. I want to keep doing that. And I love Castle Rock. I'm super, super proud of it. But I want to do even more horror things that are kind of in the, like, where you leave little social messages embedded in this fun horror movie. Mm. That, to me, Mm. is the most exciting version of horror. Like, what Jordan Peele's doing, and a bunch of other people at this point, even Parasite a bit. Mm -hmm. Like, you can wedge your issues, like, the issues you want to speak about, into a horror movie, Mm -hmm. and you can sneak that message into people's brains, and I think it's one of the few genres that you can do that with. You also have distinctive um, final girl energy. Like oh I, w- I, I, w- I would be, I would be uh, uh, clutching onto your journey. I'm like, yeah, she is me. Yeah. Bad idea. <laughs> Not a bad Don't it. trust that? Oh, there is another horror movie that I watched. It was this week. It was the first one I've ever had to turn off. So if you really want the scariest movie ever, 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 it's called Threads. It's a 1980s British horror movie, and it's like a fake documentary about them dropping the bomb. Oh. Yeah. Oh. 
It is so scary. It is so, <laughs> so scary. She actually, I mean, Lizzie kind of looks like she's about to cry. I don't she, yeah. ever want to, like, I had to she turn shook. it off before. It was, it, yeah, it will shake you. You okay. have no idea. You will leave shook I, if you can get to the end of it. <laughs> I will be watching threats. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lizzie, thank you so much for being Thanks, here. Thanks, guys. And Castle Rock is on Hulu now. Yes, it is. People can catch it. Check it out. Yeah, it. Yeah. I got I got what you're doing. <laughs> Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue Panting, you're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It, a holiday-themed Keep It. Mm. Maybe if you have a Thanksgiving-esque Keep It. Uh, sure. Uh, my thanks go to myself for not being you, because my Keep It is to Ira <laughs> for getting in Deadline.com this week and making <laughs> my ass jealous. Oh. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wasn't we even going to bring it. it up on the show. We peeped. Yes, no, I, I unfortunately saw the internet this week, so I was made privy of the situation. Tell me about this show. It's called Cancelled. I'm writing a show with my friend Julian Brees for uh, Greg Berlanti, Warner Brothers TV, um, the lovely Sarah Schechter, uh, and Kevin Donahue, our producers on it. Uh, and it's about four friends who take down problematic celebrities. You ready for a trivia challenge? Can yep. you name five Greg Berlanti shows right now? Go. Everyone, mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. and also this is very easy because I could just say The Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, Titans, um, People of Tomorrow. Which one am I thinking of? Uh, I'll give you a hint. It ran on NBC and had a female lead. The Mysteries of Laura? It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Legends of Tomorrow, not People of Tomorrow. Oh, yes. Yes. Anyway, Deborah yes. Messing, running around. She has a kid, but she also has a gun. Yes. No. <laughs> I mean, Greg Berlanti has a long string of 
He wrote TV Broken shows. Hearts Club, the uh, seminal gay movie from the turn of the century. Yeah. You know, do you remember Political Animals? Yes, with uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. So. Who remains very tall. Very good shows. Dirty Sexy Money, Jack and Bobby. Ooh, Dirty Sexy Money. That was a different Baldwin. William Baldwin? Uh, yes. Right. Yes. And, um, Not William Baldwin, no, the so other so, one. No, it was, uh, that upsets no, me. No, it was again. William Baldwin. Oh, good. Good for me. William Baldwin. And, um, no Ordinary Family. Uh, Julie Benz. Yes. That, Michael uh, Chiklis. Yeah. That superhero TV show about a family. It turns out no one is more accomplished than Greg Berlanti. And he has a wonderful husband, who I one time saw in an emerald green suit. He's that soccer player, Robbie Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, last very underrated one. You remember Eli Stone starring Johnny Lee Miller? No. About the singing lawyer. Remember when it took us until elementary to realize we love him? I do love Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah. Anyway. So congrats to you and also keep it. Fuck you. Thank you. Uh, What's your keep it, Aida? My keep it is to being obligated to go to Friendsgiving parties and Thanksgiving parties and bringing food. You know, this is a very hedonist thing I'm about to say. I want to show up to your event and eat your food and leave. You're going to have extras anyway. Why should I bring something? And I promise you if I bring something, it will be torture. It will be not good food. It will be pie you don't want to eat. Half of y'all are vegans. I don't know how to cook for vegans. So the, just let me come with a bag of chips. This is the tackiest keep it I have ever <laughs> Can heard. I tell you something? Let want... me just show up. <laughs> let well, me just show up. You know what? Actually, I think if you can't cook, just bring Bring some liquor. I'll bring liquor. Okay, but, that, that's fine. But that, I've been to parties where people are insistent. They're like, just cook something. Like, learn. Figure it out. No. Oh, well, that's rude. No. That's, I don't, I don't want to learn. And it's no. often white people who say that. Exactly. Just learn how to cook. Also, there are certain ways in which we all contribute. Do you know what you're bringing to the feast? Wit. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Feast on that. I'm here to try. <laughs> yes. Eat, eat up these jokes. Well, I also think that... Well, because the way I cook, I come from an African household, so I don't know how to make turkey, is stuffing, cranberry. Cranberry, anything is disgusting to me. The fact that that goes on meat, but because people have been conditioned to eat their meat with cranberry sauce, mm-hmm. that is just a Thanksgiving thing. Right. I like I, to eat my meat while listening to the cranberries. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Dolores O'Riordan, R.I.P. But no, you're right. Cranberries are the ketchup of Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's just yeah, not I that cute. I think they're gross. I actually think pumpkin pie is gross. I think that... Oh. But cranberries love- are gr- you know what I prefer? I prefer cranberry sauce in a can. I, I think that's a somewhat popular opinion, actually. Yeah, when you're making the like mashing the actual cranberries, I don't want that. I want that processed I don't gelatin, like gelatinous. Disgust. It, t- it holds the shape of the can, and then it's presented like it's still in a can. It's disgusting. Do you know what I, mean, I would also it, compare? Bill this Cosby. To- Promoted it, okay. So like, oh, did he really? All Jello's good. I just believe. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I would consider it's like when you have a karaoke outing with your friends, and then there's somebody who's like, "Oh, everybody has to get up there. Everybody has to." Think. It's like, no, no, you don't want to hear me do this. It will hurt <laughs> you. I can't do it. Just let, enjoy my presence here. I swear, I'm bringing something, mm-hmm. I, energy, whatever. You know, the spirit of an ancient gay person from uh, uh, 19th century England. Whatever I am. I think I would love to see you hit the karaoke stage doing a little less conversation. The original Elvis version or the Junkie XL remix? Maybe the whichever version was done every week on American Idol. Oh, right. Uh, including one by our good friend Jackie Tone. Yes. Um, now that you mention it. Uh, I would not do that. I can, As somebody who is incapable of using my voice in any other way than the way you're hearing it right now, I could only do lady rap because I don't identify with male rap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Bare Naked Ladies one week because mm-hmm. okay. that's a lot of talking quickly. It was the first podcast, actually, that that song. (laughs) (laughs) What's your keep it? My keep it 
is to a restaurant franchise. It is Thanksgiving week. I'm thinking about um, soups. Mm-hmm. The soups are great. It's, you know, I'm feeling cozy. But you know where I will never eat soup Don't from? Don't say what I think you're about soup to say. Soup plantation. <laughs> no, why is that? Why the why? fuck does it still have that name? Because it has soup in it. Why would they say plantation? soup? Plantation. <laughs> why? Why does it still have the name? Also, by the way, what's with it being one word? Yes. What novelty value do we get from not separating the words <laughs> soup and plantation? Because then it would highlight plantation. True. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. What's the conceit? What's the conceit? Like, is it? Well, it's it's supposed to be like a soup emporium. Okay. But you know what the secret is? They only have like eight fucking soups. That's fucking Are they all You also... go there and Soup Plantation is mostly a huge ass salad bar. Are they also kind of racially offensive soup names? Like, is the minestrone like minstrel soup? Oh, yes. I, uh, and it's like chow da. Chow da soup. <laughs> minstrel soup. Uh, Massa said um, <laughs> tomato. Um, I don't know. I feel like every employee at Soup Plantation is always trying to go to freedom. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm never eating there. Uh-huh. Good. And change the name. Soup plantation and and don't take this as free promo. Don't send us free any soup. free soup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I thinking, won't eat it. Also, by the way, again, as one word, I'm just thinking about: is there a correct way to pronounce it as one word, like supplantation? It's just too much syllabic. Well, that sounds like sup- the word supplantation. Supplantation. Yeah, to Sup- supplant. Right. I want there to be a pun a in there, but I bet there's nothing. Not. Yeah. 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 I, I will not support any of their. Soupy Sales. Oh, I love Soupy Sales yeah. as a comic. Thank yeah. you for bringing him up. Yeah. I just really wanted that double entendre that was only for you because it's a white man who died in the <laughs> early part of the century. <laughs> Ira, what's it's your hideous. rename for it? Soup what? Um, Actually, maybe don't give this to them. They'll take it. Tawny, Tawny Newsom, uh, our friend who also co-hosts um, That's So Racist mm-hmm. and has been a guest co-host on this show, tweeted that sh- they should name it Soup to Shining Soup. Oh, that's cute. Soup to Shining Soup. <laughs> How elegant. How debonair. Soup to Shining Soup. <laughs> I hate that, but I love it. Um, yeah. Soup by Soup. What is that? I don't know. Just... You know, like Mark by Mark Jacobs. I would rather take like super soup. soups than fucking whatever you just said. Well, what if they just called it soup? That's fine. That's it's what cute. it is. Yeah. With an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Soup. But, and but un- then, <laughs> underlined. But then they'd have to get more than eight fucking soups. That's right. <laughs> the, the onus would be on them to actually live up to the name. You know what soup store I really miss since we live on this coast now? Fucking Hale and Hardy soups. Oh, right, mm-hmm. right, right. That was doing what the other soup girls weren't doing. Okay. Yeah. Those soups were hail, <laughs> and they were so hearty. <laughs> now I want soup. Yeah. Yeah. A carrot ginger. Mm, yeah. <laughs> or soup. soup plantation's carrot nigga. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> That's our show. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks, Lizzie Kaplan. <laughs> Keep It is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Rustin is our producer. It's Caroline like the princess, the one you don't care about. Our editor is Bill Lance, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadine Melkonian, for filming and editing our video content every week. 
Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 